We are returning to the book of Revelation. So if you could turn to Revelation chapter 22 now. Revelation 22. We return now to our study after uh, a few weeks here. And I'm excited to get in, start getting into this book again as we really come to the end of this book. Well, let's begin with the word of prayer. Jesus, thank you so much for this morning, and we thank you for your presence here, God. We thank you that, oh, one day we will be worshiping you, and I was just thinking how, oh, it's like we're in heaven, singing hallelujah to you, God, and so worthy are you of our praise and worship. And God, as we come and bow to you right now, before your word, Lord, we want to hear from you, and we just humble ourselves, God, right now. We ask, God, that through your mercy and grace as we sung about, God, that we are so grateful about that you would let us hear your voice, God. And may your spirit anoint this time and give us a word today, Lord. For each one of us, God, I pray for a special word for us this morning. So bless your word, God. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Inside this medical magazine, a doctor named L. Campbell, Dr. L. Campbell, told a story about a time when a woman was waking up after surgery. And this is what he writes. Early in my career as a doctor, I went to see a patient who was coming out of anesthesia. And right at the same time that she was waking up, this, this far-off church chime sounded. Well, as the woman was waking up and hearing this, she murmured, I must be in heaven. Then, the doctor writes, she saw me and said, no, it can't be, there's Dr. Campbell. <laughs> well, for some reason, heaven was not heaven for her with the doctor in front of her. But what makes heaven heaven? What, what really makes it? Well, it, it really is, it comes down to, and what we're going to see today is the quality of our life there what it's going to be like there. And it's going to be a pure paradise. And isn't that what Jesus called heaven when he told the thief on the cross in Luke twenty-three forty-three? Truly I say to you, today you will be with me in, where? Paradise. Paradise. So today, as we begin actually this last chapter, as we come now after our whole study from the beginning, we come... As we come to this last chapter of the book of Revelation, which is actually the last chapter of the Bible, uh, there's still one more thing that God wants to show us uh, from chapter 21 that's connected to all we've been learning about heaven. And that's the quality of this life, this life in paradise. And that's what I title our message this morning, Life in Paradise, Life in Paradise in paradise. Now, this morning we're going to be taking verse 1 through 5. That's what we're going to be studying. And here in these verses, I, I, I want to bring to you five things now. Five things. And this is our outline and really wraps up into our point. And number one is this, a pure content, contentedness. Number two is a pure blessedness. Number three is a pure righteousness. Number four, a pure ins inseparableness. And number five, a pure endlessness. So that's our outline, and that's our points, really, and that's what we are going to be finding in these five verses. So let's begin here. Life in paradise. Number one in our outline, the first thing we're going to see is a pure content contentedness, uh, pure contentedness. Now, here, if you're taking notes, we're going to be covering verses 1 and the first part of verse 2. So let's take a look at that right now. Revelation chapter 22, beginning in verse 1. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city. And we'll pause right there. Now we begin with John the Apostle writing now, continuing to write what he saw in this vision, in this revelation of heaven, of what the angel of God showed him next. 
So he writes, then, this is what I saw. This is what the angel showed me. And he started way back, right, in chapter 21. And he showed him wonderful things about heaven. And before this, remember, we we saw a couple messages uh, last time we were in in Revelation that I called the tour of our place in eternity. We saw the walls, the beautiful walls, and how they look with the jewels and set in them, the foundation, the gates, right, Uh, the pearly gates, uh, the streets of gold. Um, And we got last time that idea, right, of what the society is going to be like and the type of people that are going to be there in heaven in this really new Jerusalem. Remember, that's what it's called, this final heaven. And as we are going to all be there as glorified believers, we will, there will be no sin, there will be no crime, there will be a perfect moral society in that way that we learn. So after all of that, the angel now, uh, John shows, uh, uh, showed John, it says, showed me the river of the water of life. Now, what is that? Well, it's actually a symbol of eternal life. Think about it this way. As water in our world today gives life, well, in this eternal realm, in this final heaven we've been learning about in, this, in the last chapter, there is now some sort of like this, like a river, uh, sort of a river like flowing. It's sparkling. It's bright, crystal clear. Perhaps it's a substance we've never seen. But either way, this river that John sees, it symbolizes eternal life. It symbolizes this reality of living in this new eternal realm. So as water is, is life, right? It gives life to the world we live in today. This river is life in the eternal realm of heaven. Now remember back in uh, Revelation 21 verse 1 that it was mentioned there's no more sea. And we talked about that, that the, the, this new realm, this new eternity isn't water-based anymore like how we live today. How we have our oceans and rivers and lakes and all and rain. Well, well in this eternal realm, it's not going to be like that. There, it is an H2O base. Remember God created a new heaven, a new earth, a whole new universe that base is based on physical principles and things that are different from what we live in today it's a new eternal realm that never ends so this river of the water of life is different from anything that we can even understand and it's symbolic to eternal life the life in heaven the life in paradise so The angel shows John, first of all, this. It's the water of life, bright as crystal. And here's something different, too. In verse 1, it's flowing from the throne of God and and of the Lamb. So this river, whatever substance, whatever this is, this, this eternal water of life, it's flowing not from some mountain, yeah, not from some spring or a lake up high and it's coming down or, or it had been caused by rain or anything. No, it is from the throne of God there in the middle of this new Jerusalem, in this heaven, and from Jesus. It's really coming from God himself. God is the source of this constant stream. And so think about that now. Eternal life is made possible from God. Eternal life is source. The, 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 the life that we have there, the, the, the power, the energy, the source of our life is from God, from Jesus himself. And I like to think about how John writes here, from the lamb, it reminds us of the cross. Jesus is the lamb, right, of God who died for our sins. And because of him, we can even have eternal life. We can be saved. We can be in heaven. We can be at this place in the future because of Jesus. So the waters of eternal life flows down from God. And in verse 2 it says it flows into the middle of the street of the city. What's the city? The new Jerusalem we've been talking about. This new heaven. And it means that it is accessible. This water of life, it's accessible to everyone. So the idea here is this eternal life in the eternal realm will be a life of 
fullness. Think about that too. Not just it'll last forever, but it'll be this life of fullness. And I say that because I was thinking about something John Phillips wrote in his commentary. He called this river of the water of life. He calls it, he said it, it really speaks about purity, pleasure, and prosperity. And it makes me think about, well, hey, when we have those things, and especially in heaven, that makes heaven. That makes life in paradise. I was thinking it's like how in the Garden of Eden in Genesis 2.10, uh, there was an earthly river that flowed, right, and sustained that paradise. Well, here, this river symbolized here is the eternal realm, sustaining life there. And then think about this. Jesus told the Samaritan woman in John chapter 4, he said, you know, I give what living water so that you would not thirst Again, and what is that living water he's talking about? Salvation, a relationship with God. It's eternal life in heaven. You see, the deepest thirst that we have, that God has set and made in every one of us, is a thirst to know God personally and to be with God continually. And that's what brings us satisfaction, fulfillment, and contentment. That's why like, I like to come to church, right? Because I want to meet with God. I want to be with God's people and together. There's this dynamic, just being here. There's something about being here, worshiping together, studying the Word together, the Holy Spirit moving. There's something that, that draws us here. Why is that? Because we get in touch with God. We connect with God. And there's something inside of us that yearns for that. And so what happens? We come to church and we get that satisfaction. We get that fulfillment of that here meeting with God. And then when you really have God in your life, I mean really His presence there strongly, you're content, aren't you? You feel at peace. You feel fulfilled. Augustine said, the early church father, our hearts will continue to be restless until we find rest in God. And I love that. That's the only way we would ever feel this fulfillment and contentment in life. So, with this river of life, this eternal life, and this river, this living water, like Jesus said, that gives us, that we're there, and we're sustained by that, and we're filled with this water. You know what? Here's the point. Heaven is a paradise because we find a pure content. A pure contentedness. It's like, wow, yeah. Oh, we're here. Oh, finally. Oh, it's like peace. It's like, oh, your heart is filled. You know, um, over there in Santa Cruz in California, it's kind of like central, but a little mid-high below San Francisco. But you know what? The weather's cold there. It, I mean, the, the highs normally are in the 60s, like high 60s. Uh, the lows are like in the 40s. And so I was prepared, you know, I wore long pants the whole time, socks. I don't wear socks, so now I'm wearing socks every day. And um, one day it actually got up to like 71 degrees. And people were like, oh, on, on the beach, like, you know, laying out. I'm like, oh, it's still freezing to me, <laughs> you know. But you know what, I, one of those days and the sun was out, um, even though the air was cold, when you went out in the sun, you just felt the warmth of the sun. Yeah? When the cloud came, oh, it got cold again. When the wind came, it got cold. But in the sun, it just felt so good. So one of those days, I went out on the, we rented this house on the lanai there on a balcony, and I just sat there in the sun, and I had a black shirt and these black pants, and I just got warm. It, 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 was, it felt so nice just to sit there. I was just thanking God, just enjoying the sun. And, and you know what? With the warmth of the sun and just... Just stopping that we were, was, we were like pretty wiped out on Friday the day after the wedding because it's pretty hectic. But, but just to be able to sit and do nothing, you know, and sit out in the sun, I was like, oh, this is it. Oh. You know, it's that feeling, oh, this is nice. I felt content for a moment before the cloud came. But, I, you know, it's that feeling you, you have, you know, like lying on the beach when, when, you know, you're just relaxing, when you put everything aside, yeah, and you're just resting, and you just feel content to soak every, up the sun. 
Well, you know what? That's what we're talking about here in heaven. Heaven is paradise because we find this pure contentedness. It's it's like we're going to soak up the glories of heaven there. And it's it's like taking a break, but it's going to be forever. And with the living water in us, that eternal life, we're going to feel content. Fulfilled in our salvation. Eternal life with God being right there. And we're going to be totally content. Isn't that great to know? Isn't that awesome to know in our heart that that day is coming? Listen, maybe there is things going on in your life right now and it's hard to have that contentedness but you know what you can have that sense today right now and that is in jesus paul said in philippians 4 11 that we can learn he learned to be content in christ alone and sometimes i go back to that i remind myself because sometimes i'm not content or i should say many times i go god i get you if i have you i can be content if i have you alone i i have to remind myself You know, the world offers, we're distracted by the world. The world offers many things that promise contentment, satisfaction. Oh, if you only had this much money, yeah? If if you had this fame, oh, you'd be, if you reached the top and, and you're successful, yeah? Or if you had all these things, like material things, yeah? Oh, if you you can drink enough, or if I only had this drug, yeah? But you know, all the pleasures in the world, all it offers the world, will not bring a true happiness or satisfaction. It will never do that. No stream of water in this world can fulfill that thirst that God has put in you for Him. That's why. He's created us to thirst for Him. That we would only be satisfied yeah, that that thirst would only be quenched, quenched by Him alone in His presence. So what are you chasing after today? Yeah. Well, think about that. You know what? I think I've been chasing these things because I'm trying to find contentment. I'm trying to find this happiness. I'm trying to find this fulfillment in my life. And God's saying, hey, it's not those things. It's me that you're really after. No wonder Jesus said, yeah, in John 7, 37, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. So drink of Jesus. And we can find a little oasis of contentment in this crazy world today in Jesus Christ. And that's just a taste, you guys, of what's coming of the life in paradise. All right, so... We see a pure contentedness. Let's go to number two, a pure blessedness, a pure blessedness. Now, that's, this is the rest of verse two, where it says in the second part, also on either side of the river, the tree of life, with its 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month, the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. So now this river flowed in through the city, yeah, of the new Jerusalem. And it says here that on either side of the river of the water of life is what? The tree of life. Now, commentators kind of try and grapple this. Like, how does that work? I mean, either side of the river, does that mean like there's one tree and maybe its roots are like straddling the river? Or maybe the tree of life is actually many trees that are set up there along this water river of life. Um, we, we don't really know exactly what there is, but when we get there, we will see exactly what that is. But we see this tree of life now. It, it gives 12 kinds of fruit. Now, being a tree of life it is a sustenance. It, it gives this fruit, yeah? So it really represents the provision of blessing. So think about it that way. It, it's a a symbol, really, of a provision of blessedness. Because understand that in the Jewish mind, the Jewish concept uh, that a tree of life is it's expressing blessedness. It's expressing blessings. So what we're seeing with the tree of life is it 
This life in heaven is going to be a life full of blessings. Think about it this way. Um, in pointing to God's wisdom in Proverbs 3.18, it says, She is a tree of life. To those who lay hold of her, those who hold her fast are called, what? Blessed. So you see that in Proverbs 3.18, that wisdom is like a, basically a tree of life. It's a blessing in our life. When we have God's wisdom, we live by God's wisdom, by his word, there's blessings in our life. And paradise is going to be full of blessings. Turn over to uh, Revelation chapter 2. Remember what Jesus said back here to the church of Ephesus. So if you go to the beginning of the book, chapter 2, if you look at the very end of the letter to Ephesus, which is verse 7, Revelation 2, verse 7, Jesus tells the church of Ephesus here, Verse 7 of Revelation 2. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who conquers, look, I will grant to eat, what? Of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. So you understand that, that he's talking about heaven. And you get to eat from this tree, the fruit of this tree. And what is what he talking about? Where he's talking about blessings. So we will be able to uh, partake and we will be provided a life full of blessings. Go back to uh, Revelation chapter 22, verse 2. He goes on and says, as I mentioned, he says, uh, this tree of life has 12 kinds of fruit. Now, what is this fruit? Maybe, I don't know, what's your favorite fruit? Mango, lychee, I don't know. You know, what is it? Um, uh, pineapple, sorry, it's not on a tree. It won't be there. No, I'm just joking. You know what? We don't know. We're not sure exactly what this means. Uh, but I think it, it speaks of all kinds of blessings. Yeah? Uh, Twelve kinds. Just, just talk about there's going to be all different kinds of blessings here in paradise. And John writes here, he notices yielding its fruit, verse 2, each month. In other words... It's not like our trees, we, fruit trees we have today, that it just fruits in certain times of the year, right? In certain seasons. No, this tree of life will fruit always, continually, throughout all of the years. I mean, since eternity is timeless, right? There's not going to be like months or years. There's not going to be like time. So it's really a, a, a picture, a, a, just a saying, a way to relate to that there's going to be fruit always. Fruit will always be in season, yeah? You know, there's some fruit you wish that, oh, I can't wait till it comes in season, right? You know, summer fruits and things like that. Well, God's telling us, no, the blessings will never end, will never end. So the fruit of blessing will continue on and on into eternity. And not just that, look at verse 2 at the end. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. Now, the leaves itself have some healing sort of source of healing in, that, in this tree of life. Uh, nations really speaks about peoples, yeah? all kinds of peoples from every race, every country, so people in general. The interesting thing is the word healing here is the Greek word therapian. We get our English word uh, therapeutic, right? It means in the Greek health giving or life giving. So with all that in mind, we understand, right, in heaven we're going to have our glorified bodies, so there's no need of, like, healing, right? There's no need, like, oh, I've been injured, and, you know, oh, no, does this mean I'm, I can break my arm in heaven, like, if I fall out of my house or something, out of, you know? No, because we know with our glorified bodies, there, there is no pain, there is no, you know, suffering in, in that aspect. Well, what is he talking about? Well, j I think this is just an emphasis that... Uh, in the eternal life, we are going to be uh, continuing on without any pain or suffering or there's no injury or disease or sickness. The leaves really represents that there will be a continual state of eternal health and well-being. I believe that's the idea. That's the, the, the symbol of this tree of life and its 
leaves. You know, some speculate, well, maybe uh, with the fruit, we, we get to enjoy some fruit there in heaven. And, and certainly, uh, we, maybe we will. There's the marriage supper of the Lamb, right, we talked about. And we know Jesus in his resurrected body, he ate, you know, with the disciples before he ascended to heaven. So it could be that we're eating. I was thinking, well, maybe the leaves, if we actually eat the leaves of the tree, or maybe that's our salad, I don't know, or our tea leaves or something like that. I don't know. It, it could be. It could be we're eating, but whatever we eat, it's not for nourishment, but it's for enjoyment. And those of you who like to eat like me, oh, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, we can eat all we want. Well, either way, this is all about having blessings in heaven. So our point is heaven is a paradise because it will be filled with a pure blessings. Pure blessings. You know, the other day uh, when uh, we were on our trip, I, I, you know, it was nice. I, it was nice to just take sort of a break and, and just stop and had time, a lot of times to just, you know, sit. And I was, I was taking the time to basically, like, count my blessings, yeah. I was just thanking the Lord. I was thanking the Lord, my daughter, Janea, baby daughter, growing up, getting married, out of her, on her own now, sustaining herself. You know, just just amazing to see her. Uh, I was grateful for home here, our family, you know, our grandkids, our, uh, Maui. I was I was just grateful. The opportunity to 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 be serve God in ministry and thanking God for my health and all kinds of things. Just just going through things and. And, um, you know, still there's, of course, challenges we face in many areas. But, you know, I was thinking, wow, Lord, I know in heaven it will be all blessings. Yeah. I mean, we have blessings, but we have challenges in the middle of some of those blessings. But in heaven it will be all pure blessings. I mean, think about today we count our blessings, but one day... In the final heaven, the blessings will be countless. Yeah? It'll be countless. May that inspire you today. May that help you. You know, I was reading this devotional and it was talking about how don't long for the absence of problems in this life here. Because Jesus said you will have tribulation, John sixteen thirty three. But you know what we should do is look forward to the eternity of problem-free living. All blessings, you guys. And that's our inheritance. That's reserved for us in heaven. That's our future destiny. It's for us. So it may be hard. Maybe you're going through something today and it's hard to find that blessing. But no that God still blesses us here. And sometimes what we, we don't see as a blessing actually turn out to be a blessing. I mean, just this past week, um, my friend, um, all you guys know Pastor Ron Hint and Yanni from Calvary Houston, uh, they were on their way, they're at the airport to go to Cuba. Um, Yanni's from Cuba, and they were going there to do ministry. And they were stopped with some sort of paperwork, maybe visa problem or something, and so they couldn't go. I mean, th- their bags were packed at, at the airport, everything. And, and uh, so they had to go home and wait one month for the right paperwork to go through. Well, then a few days later, I know if you saw in the news, and I also saw posts from them, that there's a huge explosion in Havana. And so they wrote on their, their Facebook post, all things work together for good. We would have been... Not so much in that building, but around that area. So, you know, God has blessings for us, even in the hard times. And we need to trust God even in those hard times. And that we're trusting God that he's working some blessing in that. And I think when those troubles come, we need to train ourselves to trust God with our whole being. It's easy to give in to our emotions. It's easy to give in to, to the things that are going on. Sometimes I told someone uh, just, uh, just a couple days ago in a meeting, I, I just told them, hey, take a step back, you know, because sometimes we're so focused on the one thing. Just take a step back and try and see God around that. 
We need to trust God with our whole being. And we need to train ourselves that whether it's tomorrow, today, or in our future, that there is a blessing coming. It is coming. And that, for sure, is going to be in paradise, our life in paradise. All right, so let's go on to number three, a pure righteousness. A pure righteousness. We see... We see, number one, a pure contentedness. Number two, a pure blessedness. Now, number three, a pure righteousness. Now, this is verse three. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. So something else that is indicated for us or shown here for us in heaven is that no longer will there anything be accursed. So in this new realm, in this new eternal realm, are no more effects effects from the fall. No more curse, so to speak, like what happened back in Genesis 3. No more consequences of sin and evil. Can you imagine that? No wonder there's no more pain or sorrow. No wonder there's no more death or disease. Yeah? The effects of the fall, we have disease in this world going on. No more tragedy. No more, remember the curse that uh, we had to labor now for in our work, toil the land? Well, no more laboring to get by. Think about this. No more laws of entropy, you know, where, where things decay and deteriorate. No more disorder or breaking down or getting old. Yeah, yay, right? No more of that. The curse basically has been lifted. No more struggle with the sinful flesh. None of that anymore. I was thinking about how, um, remember the, the movie, the old movie Wizard of Oz? Yeah, remember that? Remember how it started out like in black and white? And all of a sudden, she wakes up, you know, in that land, and it's all color. That's what it's going to be like. No more curse. No more this, this black and white, gray kind of, you know, thing, a world. We're going to wake up through this color where the curse is lifted. And with the curse lifted, we read here in verse 3 that the throne of God and of the land will be right there in it. In other words, there's no more separation here. It's, it's in the midst. I mean, we've been learning the presence of God is right here all over in this heaven, in this new Jerusalem. And then with that, it says in verse 3, and his servants will worship him. It speaks of how all believers now can serve and worship Jesus Christ as, like what Peter says, priest of God. In other words, there's no more hindrance to being a special servant of God, to, to, to be one of, one of his, his uh, 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 guys there, yeah, in this worship, in this serving, because we have been made righteous in Jesus Christ. You know, I brought my mind to, if you remember how the Jewish priests uh, in the Old Testament, I mean, first of all, they had to be, uh, uh, come from the line of who? Aaron, right? And then to become official priest, they had to go through like all this ritual and ceremony, right? To be cleansed, basically. Yeah? The sacrificing bull of goats, lamb, or the touching of the blood uh, from the sacrifice, you know, the right ear to, to the right thumb and the right toe of the foot, to be anointed with oil. And then even after they, they were consecrated and put in their position as a priest, then daily they would have to ritually wash their hands and feet and, and, and wear these specially made clothes. And every, they had to go through all this to be able to serve in this capacity right there in, in the temple to minister to God in worship. Well, all, now in heaven, we're all priests in that way, in a sense. Because through Christ, he has made us righteous enough to be there, right there with God, where the throne is, where the Lamb is, and worship him. So, heaven is a paradise because we can now worship God in a pure righteousness. 
A poet named James Russell Lowell decided that when he died, he wanted to have this on his tombstone. Here lies that part of James Russell Lowell which hindered him from doing well. I like that. I like that. In heaven, we can all do well because we'll have our glorified bodies and we will have been made righteous and be right there as priests ministering, blessing the Lord. How incredible it is that Jesus makes us righteous enough to be able to live in heaven. Think about that. Yeah. Don't take that for granted. I mean, how many of you are really perfect here? Yeah. You live a perfect, sinless life. You never have a wrong thought or, or a bad attitude in your heart. How many of you can say, no, I'm, I'm, I, 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 am, I can be in heaven because I'm perfect? No, we're not. We need Christ. We need His, 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 His righteousness. Isn't it good we don't have to do these rituals, go through these things so that we would be made worthy somehow? No, none of us can do that. None of us can make ourselves worthy. It's only through Christ Jesus. And in heaven, we're going to have that pure righteousness. Well, let's go to number four, a pure inseparableness. A pure inseparableness. We've seen a pure contentedness, a pure blessedness, a pure righteousness, now a pure inseparableness. Verse four. They will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads. I love this. It connects us to this righteousness of Christ's part. But another thing is they, the people of heaven, believers in Jesus, will see God's face. We know that the scripture tells us no man can see God, right? Because of our sin. We would die on the spot. We would, we would deteriorate. We'd be gone. But now in heaven, we can see God face to face. Now in our glorified bodies in this paradise, we'll have eyes that are capable to see God face to face. In Matthew 5, 8, it says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And we'll have that purity enough to see God. And then in verse 4 it says, uh, His name will be on their foreheads. His name, remember, on us. We've talked about this before, like in Revelation 3, uh, uh, that Jesus will write God's name on us. We've talked about this in the book of Revelation, how it speaks of ownership, how we as a believer belong to God like we're His children, and that it confirms that every citizen of heaven, every believer belongs there with God. So that's the idea. We're going to have God's name on us. It's like the 144,000, remember? They had the name of God. They were marked on their foreheads that they belonged to God. At the end, in Revelation, um, uh, uh, end of the, or in the tribulation, I should say, in Revelation 13, at the end of that chapter, remember how the Antichrist required the whole world to take a mark that showed that allegiance to him? But here we see the name on us says that we belong to God forever and we will be with God forever. So the point here is this. Heaven is a paradise because this life with God will be a pure inseparableness. No longer will sin separate us. No longer uh, can, will, it, it won't be like, oh, we can't see God's face. No, we can be there and we'll have his name. I want you to listen to what, um, it's not going to be on your screen, but listen to what C.H. Spurgeon said. I understand two things. First, that they shall literally and physically with their risen bodies actually look into the face of Jesus. And secondly, that spiritually their mental faculties shall be enlarged so that they shall be enabled to look into the very heart, the character of Christ, as so as to understand him, his work, his love, his all in all, as they never understood him before. I love that thought, you guys. We're going to be tight with God. Never again will we be separated from Jesus. We're going we're gonna to know him like never before. And isn't that the desire of our heart? Isn't that your desire? Is it? 
Did you lose your way some way, somehow? That maybe that's, that's something not in your heart to know Jesus more? Did something take that out of your heart that you once had? Do you remember? Remember that time? All you wanted was Jesus. All you wanted to do was be close to Him, to worship, pray, to get into His Word, to learn more about Him, because, Paul, you are in love with Him, but what happened to that? It's time to get back to that first love. All right, number five, our last heading, last thing, last verse is a pure endlessness, a pure endlessness. Life in paradise is a pure contentedness, a pure blessedness, a pure righteousness. And now number four, well, number four, a pure inseparableness. And now number five, a pure endlessness. So verse five, and night will be no more. There will be, there will need no light of lamp or sun for the Lord God will be their light and they will reign forever and ever. So finally we come here to this last verse about heaven. John enters here and he just really reminds us again because he he showed us before that there's no night there, right? There's no need for a lamp or the sun because the source of light is who? Like we saw in chapter 21, the Lord God himself. He's the light in this eternal realm. No, no longer no sun, no moon, nothing, no lamp, but God's glory will shine all day. And then it says at the end of verse 5, and they will reign forever and ever. We are going to reign with Christ our King. Uh, what does that mean? I mean, different commentators, books on heaven I was reading even speculate. Well, what does that mean we're going to reign? Is there going to be like different uh, kingdoms or is there some sort of uh, uh, different countries or places? You know, I don't know. There might be some administrative governmental things that we will do, but we're all believers there. So it's not like the millennium where the earth, you know, we help reign in different areas of the earth. Um, what, what does that mean? I, I'm not sure exactly, but I do want to give you this. In the Greek lexicon by Zoyadis, he added that this Greek word also means this, to enjoy the honor and prosperity of kings. And that really sparked my mind to say, oh, when... when, when um, John's writing here that believers, we're going to reign, you know, with Christ forever and ever. You know what? In other words, we're going to be able to live like kings, yeah, in this heavenly realm, in this, in this new Jerusalem, that we will be like kings, every one of us, you know. We'll be part of the royalty, the royal family. We're God's children. We'll enjoy the, the splendors and glories of God's kingdom. Where it's not going to be like, oh, when we get the, you know, the low one per people in society there. No, we're going to be all living like kings in heaven. And how long is that going to be? Well, at the end of verse 5, the last thing we see is what? Forever and ever. And you know what that means? Forever and ever. There's no end to this. This is eternity. So our last point is heaven is a paradise because this life with God will be a pure endlessness. Endlessness. This life is just going to go on and on and on. And you know what? This is our home, you guys. This is, this is our destination. I mean, when we were flying home, I couldn't wait to get back to Maui. Yeah, Our destination. I couldn't wait to get back home yeah you know you guys know what it's like sleep in your bed yeah <laughs> your own bed yeah you know sit on your own couches you know you, you, you this is your home well think about that that's what heaven is and you're never going to be away from that never into eternity yeah it'll be a pure endlessness of being at home i read about an american who um visited a Polish rabbi. Uh, his name was um, Hafez Kain. The, the American tourist was shocked when he visited him to see a simple room filled with books, 
a table, and a bench. That was it. The American asked him, Rabbi, where's your furniture? The rabbi replied with a question, where's yours? The man said, well, I don't have any because I'm a visitor here. I'm, I'm only passing through. And the rabbi said, so am I. Yeah, that's a good one, you guys. Don't invest everything into here because our real home is going to be in heaven. We will be in paradise, in home one, at home one day, forever and ever. Oh, as we close, what a life this will be. It's hard to understand it because, you know what? It's hard to describe it, right? It's hard to, to, to really imagine it because it, 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 I think God, through, you know, gave John, through John, gave us just the best way we can understand. Oh, a river of life, a, t- a tree of life, you know, all this. Just, just for us to, in, in this world, to kind of get an idea of what this heaven's going to be like. It's, it's hard. But we know it's real. We know it's coming. We know it's there for us who believe in Christ. No matter how indescribable and how unimaginable it is, it's going to be awesome. It's going to be our paradise. I'll close with this. Um, the 18th century uh, minister, commentator, you guys, some of you know his name, Matthew Henry. He wrote this uh, and this, he wrote this so it would be read at his funeral, basically. Uh, and he wrote this in anticipation, thinking that people are going to be mourning his loss. Well, this is what he wrote. Would you like to know where I am? I am at home in my father's house, in the mansions prepared for me here. I am where I want to be, where I have long and often desired to be, No longer on the stormy sea, but in a safe and quiet harbor. My sowing time is done, and I am reaping. My joy is as the joy of harvest. Would you like to know how it is with me? I am made perfect in holiness. Grace is swallowed up in glory. Would you like to know what I am doing? I see God. I see Him as He is, not as through a glass darkly, but face to face and the sight is transforming it makes me like him i am in the sweet enjoyment of my precious redeemer whom my soul loved and for whose sake i was willing to part with all i'm here bathing myself at the spring head of the heavenly pleasure and joy unutterable therefore weep not for me I am singing hallelujahs to him who sits upon the throne, and I am constantly praising him. Would you know what blessed company I keep? It is better than the best on earth. Here are the holy angels and the spirits of just men made perfect. I am set down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, with the blessed Paul and Peter and James and John and all the saints. And here I meet with many of my old acquaintances that I fasted and prayed with who got here before me. Lastly, would you know how long this will continue? It's a dawn that never fades. After millions and millions of ages, it will be as fresh as it is now. Therefore, weep not for me. Isn't that great? This is what we're looking forward to. So may all of this motivate you. May it help you to hang on just a little longer. May it inspire you to live more a committed life to Jesus. May you give your heart and life totally over to Jesus right now. Well, may you rededicate, recommit yourself to Jesus. Because I want everyone to be there. If you don't know Jesus, accept him now. I want you to to be a part of this. And what we're talking about, without Jesus, you cannot be there. And if you accept Jesus, if you receive and give him your life, be saved, have eternal life today, then we will all together experience this, this life in paradise. Let's pray. Lord, I I come before you and, and... God, I'm just in awe of what we studied, and it's just more than I can really say with words, Lord. 
God, we are thankful that you put this into the Bible. We're thankful that John wrote this, that we can get a little glimpse, an idea of, of what heaven's going to be like, what this, this final heaven, this life in paradise is. And, oh, Lord, we look so forward to it. God, I pray for anyone here today that, that God needs to be saved. God, that you would save them, that they would just cry out to you even right now to ask for forgiveness, to cry out for help, to, to, Lord, that they would give their life and heart to you right now, even as I speak. Lord, I pray for anyone who's strayed and lost their first love, that, that as we sing, as we uh, uh, close in this time of prayer, that they would recommit their life to you. Lord, all of us, I pray that you would help us and motivate us and inspire us to keep going, to hang on, to stay committed, that no matter what the enemy may throw at us, Lord, that you would come and be our shield and a protector, our power and strength, and that when the smoke clears, we're still standing in you, Jesus. And Lord, I pray that you would help us, God, against the distractions of this world, the temptation of Satan, our own sinful flesh drawing us away from you, God, trying to find contentment and fulfillment in things in this world and this life that never will, never, never will. Lord, I pray for those who are struggling right now with that emptiness, Lord, that 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 it's almost like a painful emptiness. Uh, uh, it almost feels like this loneliness. God, I pray that they would turn to you, that we would all, God, turn our hearts to you and say, Jesus, it's you. You're, you're all that I need, God. You're all that I need. Oh, Lord, we long and thirst for you. So fill us now, God, as we close. In worship, fill us now with you, Jesus, your very presence, Lord. With you, Jesus, with your Holy Spirit, God, may you fill us. Thank you, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's all stand.